and welcome to the Knitting on the Run podcast, where it's always knitting and running in 30 minutes or less. You can find me on Ravelry and Instagram as Windswept Monique, and you can email me at my new email address, windsweptmonique at gmail.com. I'm also on Facebook as Windswept Designs, and you can join our Ravelry group if you're interested. Just search for Knitting on the Run or Windswept Designs. You'll find it both ways. And feel free to come and let me know what you want to hear about. Segments this week include FOs, whips, stash, wearables, knitting plans, knitting talk, in which we're going to discuss wool allergies, on the run, and out and about. So I'm going to get right into it because I'm afraid this one might be one of my longer episodes, but that's okay. FOs. So... I finished the purple shawl I mentioned last week from some deep stash that was Queensland Sugar Rush, and it is for myself. Yay, I have another shawl. I'm rather excited about that. Also, it's the last sample made of a new pattern that I will be releasing over this upcoming holiday week. Keep an eye on Instagram, Facebook, and the Ravelry group. It will be up there, and it will be free for the first few days as a thank you to this amazing knitting community. You folks, I I can't even tell you how wonderful this year has been. And a lot of it is thanks to the amazing women and men in the fiber community. I started this podcast. I went to Stitches United and SSK for this first time. I went back to Rhineback. I've interacted with so many of you. And I this year has just been marvelous, you know, way beyond anything I ever expected. So this shawl is my way of saying thank you to all of you for giving me such an amazing year. On to whips. The only other whip I worked on this week was my Mahalo Socks by Dana Gervais. Full disclosure, she's my tech editor, but she's also an amazing sock designer, and I am loving this pattern. I have scrawny ankles, so I tweaked the narrowest size to be even a little bit narrower, and it was very easy to adjust. So if you have... Um, either bigger or smaller ankles than average for your size foot. Definitely give this pattern a look. It was really easy to change. The lace pattern is definitely memorizable after a few times through, and I've really enjoyed working on it. I actually finished the first sock last night, and I will be casting on for the second sock today or tomorrow. I'm hoping to get these done by the end of the Indie Design Gift Along. They're a gift for me, not for someone else, but still, I'd like to finish. And I'm knitting them up in Kobasi by Haiku, which is a cotton, bamboo, silk, and nylon blend sock yarn. Stash, I am actually going to hold off till next week because I have a ton of it. I bought a lot of stuff with my local yarn shop closing tomorrow. Mm, bought way too much yarn. Uh, but I want to save something for next week's podcast if I have a chance to talk, because I probably won't have a lot of chance to knit. So whips and FOs next week are going to be very short. So next week, you'll get an extended stash section. On to wearables. Well, it has been cold the last six weeks. I didn't have a time to put this segment in the last episode, so I will quickly summarize what I've been wearing. I've been wearing my Poma sweater by Vera Sanin virtually every week, at least once, um, and the, the yarn is really holding up very well to the wear and tear. Uh, I don't normally wear my hand-knit sweaters every single week, but the Bamboo by B-Sweet Yarns is really putting up with it quite well. I've also been wearing 
uh, my only two shawls, or at least I should say until now, only two shawls, uh, Maris Stella by Anna Victoria and May Flowers, which is a very old pattern of mine. And I've been wearing those over store-bought sweaters to stay warm because it's been cold and windy here and it just, you know, it goes right to your bones. I've also been going back and forth between wearing my Hamelnet hat by Emily Straw from the Knitting Butterflies podcast and the Twist and Shout hat by Michelle Denaire, which is a simple cabled hat, uh, which I've also managed to lose in the last week. So I'm looking around trying to find it. I suspect I left it at a school visit we did when we were looking into preschools for my younger son, and I think I might have left it at one of the preschools. I need to give them a call and see if they have found a green cabled hat. (laughs) Wish me luck. For knitting plans, so I want to take out my Empire Tunic by Lily Go that I finished for the fall and lengthen the sleeves. I knit that up in Frog Trees Peekaboo, which is a discontinued cotton bamboo blend. I love this yarn and I love this top, but I'm always cold. So I know I will get more wear out of this if it has long sleeves and not three-quarter length sleeves. So that's one of my projects for the new year. I was debating putting it off for um, till next summer so that I, I could use the um, yardage towards the Nick Girls SS, sorry, not SSK, Stash Dash. Oh, I need more caffeine, I apologize. For those of you who don't know, Stash Dash is an annual knit along with, or knit along, crochet along, spin along with the Nick Girls where you're challenging yourself to do as much yardage over about two, two and a half month period as you possibly can. And, uh, uh, tweaking old whips and old finish objects count so you can extend the sleeve and then the, the yardage for the entire top counts. So, you know, it's a great way to earn yardage. But, you know, I, I really want to wear this top this winter, so I'm going to do that now instead. Also, I want to pull out my English garden wedding kimono that I knit years and years ago and finally do the embroidery. This pattern is from the unofficial Downton Abbey Knits from Interweave. Uh, and I picked this pattern because the embroidery really makes the sweater just amazing. I am a cross-stitcher, you know, born and bred, literally started cross-stitching when I was three. It was my, my go-to craft before I found knitting. And this pattern is just beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. So I got some new Firefly at my local yarn shop this past few weeks. And with the Firefly I already have in my possession, I am going to actually do the embroidery over. So Firefly is a linen blend yard. I think it's linen and viscose. So it should hold up really well over the sweater. The sweater itself was knit in Cascade Ultra Pima cotton. So it's a nice, thin, uh, lightweight cotton yarn. So this will make a great, you know, summer, like a cool evening in the summer sweater or wearing it as a layer spring and fall. The sweater itself is ivory. Uh, like in the pattern itself and I bought similar colors to what the pattern called for for the embroidery so pink for the flowers like it's like a rose daisy combinations you know not exactly any specific flower I don't think and then green leaves and vines and that goes up both the um, front panel edging around the collar around the bottom panel edging around your butt and also around the cuffs and it is just going to be spectacular if and when I finish it a couple patterns I am looking to start. I mentioned a few times that I want to do a lush, or I should say I want to fade a lush with some yarn that I bought at Rhineback. have not started that yet. That is uh, going to be queued up. I have the yarn now washed and ready to go. Got a lot of dye out of some of those pinks, but it will be beautiful. I have gold yarn, 
pink yarn and then I have one that's an exact mix between those two shades from the same dyer so I'm really excited. I also have yarn picked out to do what I keep calling the frozen sweater. It's not, it's the frosted sweater. You've probably seen this one all over Ravelry. By Paper Daisy Creations. If you listen to the Knit More Girls, the, the sweater that Jasmine has been talking about, she's doing hers in pink so she's not making snowflakes. She's tweaking the pattern, I think, to have hearts if I remember correctly, but I found some uh, nice blues, so I will be doing it with the white and then with the blue for the snowflakes. Though I am, instead of doing a five-color gradient kit, I have three colors of a, um, a linen cotton blend yarn that I'm going to use, and I am going to be using those with some old stash. I've got some Valley Yarns Long Meadow, which is I think a cotton acrylic blend, but they all knit up to the same gauge, so it should work out well, and they all have enough cotton in them that they should wash well together, so we'll see, but that's what's coming up on my needles. And now for knitting talk. This week we will talk about wool allergies. I've had a couple different people PM me, and actually one person asked me in person recently about my wool allergy. So I thought I'd devote a section to talk about um, fiber and animal allergies. Now, mind you, I am not a medical professional, so please take what I'm saying with that in mind, but I will share with you what I know. First off, yes, wool allergies are real. You can be allergic to sheep, just like you can be allergic to cats and dogs. Unfortunately, I'm allergic to all three, <laughs> to varying degrees, and also to horses and goats. I just happen to get the worst physical reaction to sheep, whereas with my two cats, all I get is an occasional stuffy nose when they're shedding badly. You know, thumbs the brakes. You can also have a reaction to lanolin in the wool, and I'm not sure if this is an allergy or more of a contact dermatitis. So if this is the case, and it's the lanolin that you're reacting to, you might be able to work with a superwash wool. So my understanding from superwash wool is that they take the wool and they're what they're trying to do with the individual animal hairs is that they're smoothing down the scales of the individual wool fibers. And in doing so, you basically strip all the lanolin away. So that means it might be an option for you. If you're not sure if you're actually allergic to wool, you've never been, you know, had an allergist test or, or what sort of thing, you can try you know, taping a little piece of superwash wool like to the inside of your elbow or to the back of your neck and seeing if you react to it after, you know, a couple hours or a lady told me to do it for 48 hours. I'm not walking around with something taped to the back of my neck for 48 hours. Sorry, lady. So yeah, as you can imagine, well-meaning knitters often try to tell me that I'm just sensitive to lanolin. I usually just nod and smile. I really wish it were that simple. My life would be a lot easier. <laughs> Lastly, your skin could just be sensitive. This is not an allergy. Uh, you just get itchy with certain wools. Uh, it's a form of contact dermatitis, which is just a fancy way of saying that your skin is sensitive to something and something is irritating your skin. So um, wearing a t-shirt underneath it would solve the problem. If it's a wool allergy, wearing a t-shirt is not going to help you. So how do I know that I am allergic to sheep? And Actually, let me back up. You can probably hear that I'm saying I'm allergic to sheep and not that I'm allergic to wool. I've spent too many times being corrected by very well-meaning people telling me that there's no such thing as a wool allergy. So now I actually say I'm allergic to sheep. It gets the point across. And when they question me, I can tell them, yes, I'm also allergic to cats and dogs and horses and birds. And basically, if it's not a fish, I'm allergic to it. So anyway, Back to what I was saying. How do I know I'm allergic to sheep? Well, I found out when I was four, my great-grandmother bought me a lovely little 
wool coat and hat set. Mum bundled me up in it, set me off to preschool, and I came home covered in hives from head to toe, and we went off to the doctor's. Poor Graham felt absolutely awful, but I mean, she had no way of knowing. You know, I just happened to have very severe allergies. Um, and then uh, it was a year or two later, I was five or six, I got a skin prick allergy test, and that confirmed I am allergic to every animal that they tested for to varying degrees. Um, a skin prick test is where they actually um, poke your skin, so they break the top couple layers of your skin with a needle that is coated in a possible allergen. So they'll test you for mold, dust mites, um, cockroaches, or actually something a lot of people are allergic to and don't realize it. They can test you for um, fur allergies, feathers. I mean, the, you can, if you want to go and Google it, there's a whole laundry list of things they can test you for. It's not pleasant. I will warn you there. You're getting poked an awful lot. And when you're five or six and don't understand exactly what's going for, it is particularly unpleasant. But if it helps solve a problem, which in my case it was, then it's worth doing. The last time I had a major reaction was in 2002 in London, England. My now husband and I had just gotten to Europe for a 45-day backpacking trip around the continent. We went to bed that night very jet-lagged. I never even thought to check the contents of the blanket because in the U.S., you know, budget hotels do not have nice wool blankets. It was hot, so we didn't pull the sheets or covers up over us. We just, you know, went to bed. And sometime in the night, I tucked my feet under the blanket and not even thinking about it. You know, my feet were cold. I woke up the next morning and my ankles had literally doubled in the size. So I immediately checked the blanket. Oh, yep, it was sheep's wool. Bugger. I had, out of all the clothes I brought, I had two pairs of socks that fit, and none of my three shoes, three pairs of shoes, I should say, would fit. I finally had to unlace the sneakers I'd brought with me and jam my feet into them so I could leave the hotel room. It took about a week for them to shrink back to normal size or so. Um, it, it would have self-corrected a lot faster if we were not power-walking European capitals every day. But, you know, I was... 22, and I was not about to miss anything. Swollen ankles be damned. <sighs> but uh, luckily, I, you know, I'm a little bit smarter now with my international travel when we do get to go abroad, and I check everything. <laughs> and I'm always, yeah, obviously very careful with what we keep in the house. We have very little sheep's wool in our house. We do have a few things. My in-laws, my brother-in-law and his partner live down in New Zealand, and they've got some very nice shirts for the boys. And so we'll bundle them up in their lovely um, New Zealand wool shirts, and I just make sure that I just don't pick them up, and we'll give them very quick hugs those days, and or you know maybe I'll drip something over them if I'm gonna have to carry one of them around for a while, like put a like a fleece over it or something, like a not a sheep's fleece, like a you know man-made fleece, so that I can then carry my toddler around that sort of thing. But like I said, it's not the end of the world, and in terms of knitting, I am so lucky to be living in a time where we have an access to amazing yarns out there that are not sheep's wools. We've got uh, some beautiful silks coming from all over the world, including some made in this country now. Cotton has come a long way. Something I learned this year is that the reason cotton often feels tough on your fingers is the way the fiber is treated in the yarn making process. It's not actually that hard. And in learning to spin cotton myself, Jill from Hip Strings was so right. A hand-spun cotton yarn is amazingly soft, nothing like what you would buy in the store. And some, it seems like, of the manufacturers are taking that to heart. And the cotton yarns are getting softer and a lot more fun to work with. We're also getting indie dyers in plant yarns, which I'm really excited about. So am I sad that I 
can't work with sheep's wool. Only in so much as I can't play with all those fun indie dyers that you guys get to play with. Otherwise, no, I got some awesome stuff. I mean, hey, I can play with silk whenever I want to. I'm not sad about that. <laughs> so, you know, like I said earlier, them's the breaks, but I'm happy. So here we go. Oh, I also wanted to thank two of you. Sarah from the Behind the Wool podcast and Jessica from the Fiber Niche podcast both wrote to tell me what OOAK means. Like I said, I don't get to play with Indie Diaries very much, so I did not know that OOAK means one of a kind. So thank you both very much. I really appreciate that, and I love learning new things. So thank you. On to the next to last segment, On the Road. In January, I will definitely be attending Vogue Knitting Live in New York City. If you're coming to, let me know. I have my train tickets. I am so excited. This is my birthday gift from my boys because it's happening on my birthday. So please stop and say hello if you're there as well. In March, I will be attending Stitches United in Hartford, Connecticut. A quick note for any of you who were debating coming. Stitches sent out, or I should say Knitting Universe, sent out an email talking about how that Stitches United 2018 will be in Connecticut, but in 2019 it will be in Georgia. And at the moment they're planning alternating years between the Northeast and the Southeast. So if you are planning on skipping this year and going in 2019, give it some thought in coming this year, because otherwise you're out of luck till 2020. Last up in On The Run, physical therapy is going well. Uh, my shoulder and upper back are feeling so much stronger. I, it's amazing, you know, how physical therapy can really make you come a long way. So I'm very excited. I am now walking a couple days a week. Still not running yet. Probably not going to be running till the spring, late winter, maybe February, March, because the, the pounding just still really jars my back. Um, I've got a few knots that do not want to go away. Yay. But on the whole, I'm making some good progress, and I can uh, keep working on my mileage and getting my mileage up there walking, even though I'm not running. So that's my plan at the moment. I'm going to keep up there, getting a lot of exercise, uh, doing the walking. I've been doing it two days a week now. I eventually want to get to three days a week, maybe four, keep the strength training up. As I'm feeling strong, just got to get through Christmas week with my boys should be fun. My husband was supposed to take the entire week off. Now he's only taking half the week. So I, you know, have them to myself, which probably means a little more back pain, but you know, it's not the end of the world. So I am excited and everything is going well. So thank you all very much for listening. I apologize if I've been speed talking even more than usual today. I am trying to squeeze this in during my son's nap time. He'll be getting up any second now, and he has hardly napped at all this week. And so I knew if I didn't record today, it wasn't going to happen till after Christmas. So thank you very much for your patience. I know I speak very quack, very quickly on a daily basis, even when I'm not trying to hurry something along. So if this one's going really fast, you might want to play it back on like 0.75 speed or something. And for the record, yes, I know I speak very quickly. Um, if you haven't listened to the first episode, I'll, I'll reiterate a, a quick little anecdote. So when my husband first came down to meet my mother, or I should say, when my husband first came down to stay at my parents' house when we were first dating, he witnessed a conversation between my mother and I. He comes from northern Vermont, up near the, ba the border of the Northeast Kingdom, which is a very rural section of Vermont, and they speak a bit slower up there. 
and he actually had difficulty following what my mother and I were saying because we were speaking so quickly. We speak very, very quickly, this part of Massachusetts. I'm from southeastern Massachusetts, and it's just the way everyone talks. I'm, I'm, I'm probably worse than the average person. Okay, I am worse than the average person. And yes, it does get me in trouble. Even when I'm speaking in a foreign language, I speak this quickly. Um, I, I, at one point, I was fluent in French. I'm not anymore. But uh, would, you know, in France, I would be speaking French with someone as quickly as I'm speaking English, and I can't understand it quite as quickly in return. It definitely got me in a few holes over the years, <laughs> but it's a habit that's hard to break, so think of that what you will. Anyway, so uh, I hope you all have a wonderful holiday season. Today is the solstice, so a very happy solstice to you. If you celebrate Christmas, I hope you have a great holiday. If you celebrate Kwanzaa, happy Kwanzaa. If you, if you celebrate Hanukkah, it's over, I believe, as of last night. I hope you had a wonderful holiday there. And a very happy new year to all of you. And I will hopefully see you next week of the recording. I wouldn't hold your breath. I've got both boys to myself. But at the very least, I will see you very early in the new year. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.